Alrighty, guys, and welcome back to the Basketball Fix podcast season number two. Now, I am super, super excited to be back and talking about basketball and all things basketball as well. Now, a little bit of housekeeping off the back. Basketball Fix, if you followed over the last year or year and a half, it's been purely based around the NBA and the NBL. Now, this year, I've sort of wanted to go in a little bit more of a singular direction and take out the NBA and purely be focusing on the NBL because I do believe, honestly, the NBL is becoming a worldwide league and a league that is really starting to gain some attraction and, and, and gain some hype as well. And we've seen over the last couple of years with multiple next star players getting picked up in the NBA draft, such as LaMelo Ball, uh, Uzmian Dang in the most recent year as well. Josh Giddy obviously has become one of the best young players in the NBA as well. And Luke Travers, Hugo Besson in the last couple of years as well. So they've been gaining a lot of traction in the NBA, a lot of players getting picked up and drafted. And obviously, you know, it's all coming from the NBA. And I think it's one of those leagues, like I mentioned just earlier, it's really starting to gain that traction as well. And as we're seeing the traction from the NBA draft, it's, it's sort of filtering down as well. And we're seeing some incredible imports come over. You know, players that have been playing consistent and great basketball in the NBA G League with NBA experience as well, or been playing some high levels in Europe and have decided to come and give the NBA a little bit of a chance. So I want to really, really start to base this podcast around the one league. And I think the NBA is the perfect league to base this around. You know, we'll be having some great guests and some interviewing some great players, whether it be past, present, or maybe even some future NBA players coming through as well from the NBA one, which is the sort of local competition over here in Australia. Um, but obviously, there's, it's just a lot of talk about the NBA. There's a lot of games on each week. And I just feel like it's the perfect sort of time to really settle down into one league and really start to talk about the NBA as well. So... Today's episode is going to be a real fun episode. I'm really looking forward to talking about last year's NBL. Now, obviously, NBL 22 was an incredible season. I'm looking forward to talking about all the award winners, the NBL champion. And I've got a bit of a segment that I'm going to be sort of introducing into every single episode when we do our Roundland Weekly uh, recaps every week. And that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we're going to be talking and touching on that a little bit later. But let's dive in and give you your basketball fix. So it's time to dive in. Like I mentioned before, we're going to be touching on NBL 22. And obviously, and what an incredible season that was for all of us NBL fans. We got absolutely spoiled from the outset and throughout as well, right up until the end. Now, like I mentioned, we're going to be touching on all the award winners and the eventual NBL champions as well in this episode. And also my brand new segment, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. But let's get into these awards because I'm very, very excited to be talking about some NBL. And obviously, I'm very excited to be recapping NBL 22. Alrighty, so the first trophy we're going to be talking about is the Defensive Player of the Year Award. Now, before we get into talking about all these awards, I would just want to mention quickly the criteria how the NBL decides these awards at the end of each year. Now, the NBL chooses three players at the end of each year who are nominated for each award, and they go in to be a part of the award show. So as we go through talking about all these awards, you will notice I continuously mention three players that are nominated for each award. I just wanted to clear that up before we really get talking about these awards so it all makes sense as we go through. But like I said, let's start off with the Defensive Player of the Year trophy, and the winner was Antonius Cleveland. Now, he became the second Hawks player in two years to win the awards, and what an incredible season defensively he had. He averaged 6.8 rebounds, 1.1 blocks a game, and just over two steals a game, becoming a pivotal member for the Hawks team and constantly taking on the best player on the opponent's team night in, night out. Now, this guy was taking on guys like Bryce Cotton, 
Mitch Creek, Chris Goulding, Mitch McCarron, just to name a few of the incredible players in the league. And like I said before, averaging numbers like 6.8 rebounds, 1.1 blocks, and just over two steals a game for a shooting guard small forward is absolutely incredible. Now, he beat out Xavier Cooks and Shea Illy for the honors of the Damian Martin Trophy, the Defensive Player of the Year award. And he had an incredible season. And obviously, I'm super excited to be seeing what he will be doing for the Adelaide 36ers in this year's up-and-coming NBL season. But Antonius Cleveland was a very deserving winner of the Defensive Player of the Year trophy. Now, the second trophy we're going to be looking at is the Most Improved Player Award. Now, obviously, if you guys don't know what the Most Improved Player is, it sort of says it in the title, but it's obviously a player who has continued to show growth and has a, had a major increase in role and minutes and has taken advantage of that. In my opinion, that is how the award is judged. You tend to see this award go to players who have sort of become from a bench player to a really great role player or starting player on a typical team. And this year's winner was no different. Keanu Pinder of the Cairns Taipans was nothing short of spectacular. He had a bit more of an increased role, had increased minutes, and increased his output from start to finish of the season. Now, he averaged 10 points a game, 7 rebounds, and just over a block a game, which were massive improvements on his numbers from last year for the Adelaide 36ers, in where he averaged 4 points a game, 5 rebounds, and just over a block the year previous. Now, when we talk about Keanu Pinder, he is a guy who is a confidence player and really does rely on his point guard. Now, he's in a great system in Cairns, I think, last year, where he had Scott Machado at the point. And I think it's really helped him last year develop his game. Now, it's going to be very interesting to see what he can do for the Cairns Taipans in NBL 23. The point guard is a little bit of question marks for the Cairns Taipans at the moment, currently of this recording. But Keanu Pinder has definitely shown he is capable of putting up some outstanding numbers for the Cairns Taipans. We've seen him recently as well play for the Australian Boomers in the Qualifying Cup and also the Asian Cup, I believe it was as well. And he's a really great player, full of confidence, like I said before. And he's one of those players who I think you would really love to have on your team. He's a bit of a high flyer as well. Now, Keanu Pinder beat out a couple of the young stars of the league in Joel Luwalachul and Yanni Wetzel, who, like Pinder, had a very similar role upgrade as well. Now, Joel Luwalachul come out of the shadows of Jock Lando from the year before and put up some impressive numbers in where he became an MVP candidate from the start of the year. And Yanni Wetzel was no different as well. He had an increased role for the New Zealand Breakers and was nothing short of spectacular from the first game of the season all the way up until the last game of the year in a very, very disappointing season for the New Zealand Breakers. Now, these are two guys, unfortunately, who the NBL will lose in NBL 23, but I'm sure we will see them back in the NBL at one stage or hopefully the NBA as well because these two guys are super, super talented big men who know how to put the ball on the floor, have great shots. Joel Luwalachu is nothing short of spectacular and nothing short of full of confidence and just an amazing player as well. And I'm really excited to see what they can do in future years of their basketball careers. Now, the next award we're going to be touching on is the Six Man of the Year Award. And this was won by the one, the only, Shea Illy. Now, when we talk about Shea Illy, I think a lot of us will be zoned to his defensive presence and his defensive side of the basketball. And obviously, that is one thing that, you know, is obviously super impressive about Shea Illy. He's a great two-way player. And I think it's one of those things that's really, really been shown over the last few years as I think his role has sort of chopped and changed between becoming a starter and becoming off the bench as well. And this year was no different with obviously this massive signing of Matthew Delvadova in the NBL and especially for the Melbourne United basketball team. Shea Illy's role from the start was established as coming off the bench. He had a pretty injury-corrupted start to the season, which only saw him play a couple of games in his first 10 to 15 games of the season. But once he came in, established his role, and settled into becoming off the bench and becoming that sixth man for the Melbourne United basketball team, he was nothing short of spectacular. And obviously, like I mentioned before, was an incredible player for them on both sides of the court. Now, Shea Ely averaged 8 points, 4 rebounds, and just over 1.5 steals a game as well, and shooting 44% from the field. And late in the season, became a consistent 3-point shooter for them as well on their surge into making the NBL Finals. 
He also beat Clint Steinle and Xavier Rathan Mains. Clint Steinle was a part of the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers and was their captain for last season, was a crucial and pivotal part of their team coming off the bench and was a very, very big, important piece of why they became such a powerhouse so early on in the NBL and also made the NBL finals. And Xavier Rathan Mays was an important piece of the bench for the Illawarra Hawks last season. He has currently signed for the Melbourne United basketball team this year, and I'm really excited to see what he can be doing. He's a guy who I think is much more than a six-man in this league, and I think he's going to be a pivotal player and a pivotal starter for Melbourne United this upcoming season. But like I mentioned, Clint Steinle and Xavier Rathan Mays were the runner-ups, but Shaley was the eventual winner of the six-man of the year trophy. Now, coming in at the Coach of the Year, this is one I wanted to touch on quickly before we get into the last two awards and the eventual champions of NBL 22. Scott Roth was the winner of the award. Now, this is obviously, I don't think, any surprise for anyone around the league. Scott Roth, if you guys don't know, is the coach of the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Now, in their first season in the NBL, just get that right, people, their first season, they didn't just make the finals, they defied odds and they made the grand final. Now, obviously, we will touch on the end result in the grand final, but to make the grand final in your first season is nothing short of spectacular, and he was a deserving winner of this award for sure. Scott Roth, with a little bit of a background, if you guys don't know where he comes from, he comes from a very strong Perth Wildcats basketball organization. He's taken over the realms of the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers, and I think a lot of people weren't surprised when he got the job, and he took Jacob Chance with him as well as his head assistant, who has also a very strong Perth Wildcats background as well, and Chancey is a great guy, he's a great coach, and I'm sure one day he will be a head coach in the NBL very soon, but... When you've got two guys at the helm like that who are such strong and passionate people of basketball, you're, always, you're already setting your team up for success off the bat. And obviously, Scott Roth did that. They made the NBL Finals. They made the NBL Grand Final. And they had an incredible season in their first year. Now, he beat out in the award Dean Vickerman from the Melbourne United basketball team and Chase Buford of the Sydney Kings. Two incredible coaches as well. Obviously, Dean Vickerman led the Melbourne United basketball team to finishing on top of the ladder and, and taking the minor premiership. And Chase Buford as well led his team all the way to the NBL Finals and had an incredible season. With the Kings finishing with a record of 19-9 and and obviously Dean Vickerman's team, Melbourne United, finished with a record of 20-8 to finish on top of the ladder. Now, the second last award we want to be touching on is the Rookie of the Year Award. I think this is an award that's watched very closely around the league and I think also is gaining traction around the world as well because we're seeing such high talent that are very young as well, continuing to grow from the NBL into the NBA or playing some really high levels in either Europe or other places around the world. But Bull Cole of the Cairns Taipans was the eventual winner of the Rookie Year of the Year Award. He had an incredible rookie season, averaging 10 points, three rebounds, and one assist. And he also was just under one steal a game as well. For a very disappointing Cairns Taipans team, I do know, but he was definitely a shining light for them. And he's someone to watch in future years for sure. You know, he's obviously a very, very consistent shooter from the three-point line. I think I'm very excited to see what he can do in NBL 23 as well because he has the sort of game which is going to develop very nicely as the years come on. He's a very attacking basketball player. He can put the ball on the floor and obviously get to the cup, but he's also a great shooter, like I mentioned before. His defensive end of the game as well is also very strong for how young of a player he is. And obviously, to be averaging 10 points in your first season of NBL basketball and professional basketball, it's obviously something that can't be taken for granted at all. Now, he beat out Luke Travers and other NBA draftee, Usmian Dang, who both had incredible seasons last year on their way to NBA draft success. Obviously, Usmian Dang getting drafted in the first round to the New York Knicks, but then eventually getting traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And Luke Travers obviously getting drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers, who we will be seeing, though, over in the NBL for NBL 23, which I'm super excited about because 
Luke is a guy with obviously a lot of untapped potential. I think there's a lot to grow in his game. I think he's obviously gaining that traction around the NBL. He's a young guy. He's also becoming one of the young faces of Australian basketball, and I'm super excited to see what he can be doing for the Perth Wildcats. I think, again, we had a lot of great young talent, obviously, continue to grow and continue to make waves in the NBL, and obviously a couple of them to be drafted in the NBA was a major success for the NBL. Now, the final award that we're going to be touching on is the MVP trophy, and this is where we get talking about the absolute killers, the best of the league, and the best players who we saw in NBL 2022. Now, a quick recap on the top three. There was Jalen Adams, Bryce Cotton, and Joe Lawalichul, all nominated to win this award. And I think they were three of the standouts from last year as well. A couple of notable mentions. You can also throw Tyler Harvey in there for the Illawarra Hawks. Mitchie Creek had an incredible season for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. But these three guys, I still think, stood out on a pedestal by themselves. We're going to go through all the averages of the three guys before we get into announcing who was the winner of the MVP trophy. Now, Bryce Cotton averaged a league-high 22 points per game, four rebounds, four assists, and just over one steal while shooting 41% from the field and 36% from deep. Incredible season for the Perth Wildcats, who unfortunately didn't make the finals for the first time in 35 years. But, you know, at the end of the day, Bryce was Bryce Cotton. You know what I mean? Like, he is one of the greatest players in the NBL history. He will go down as the greatest import in NBL, NBL history. And who knows, one day he might go down as the greatest player. He's obviously got a long way to catch with Andrew Gaze being the greatest player at the moment. But Bryce is continuing to add accolades to his resume and obviously putting a major stamp on the NBL map. And I think he's going to become one of the greatest players when it's all said and done. And like we've already talked about before, Joe Lawalichul, the exciting big man. He finished with season numbers of 16.5 points, 9 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 blocks while shooting 53% from the field. For a Melbourne United team who obviously finished on top and were crowned at the minor premiers. But like I mentioned before, Joel Lawalichul, if you guys didn't get the chance to watch Joel Lawalichul last year, please do yourself a favor and go back and look at some of the highlights. Because when we talk about guys who are full of confidence, who know how to play their game and are loved by the coach and respected by the coach and are given the green light by the coach, that's Joel Lawalichul for me. He is an incredible player. And I think a lot of people, I think early on were like, oh, why is this guy, you know, just driving to the hoop and putting all these shots up? And some of them weren't great shots. But after he consistently started to make him and was putting up these massive performances, which we saw from the outset and throughout in the NBL season last year, I think he earned a lot of respect around the NBL. And there was a reason why he got picked up in this year's summer league in the NBA. And I'm pretty sure we may be seeing him on an NBA team very soon. But he followed in Jock Landau's footsteps and became one of the best big men in the league. And obviously... He was playing for Melbourne United like Jock Landau was, and we see where Jock is now, and that could be where uh, Joe Lawalichul ends up one day. But what an incredible season for the Melbourne United big man, and I think he's going to be sorely missed in NBL 23. So that leaves the last player, Jalen Adams, who played for the Sydney Kings, averaging an impressive 20 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, and shot 43% from the field while shooting 40% from the 3-point line as well. Now, this guy took a little bit to get used to playing in the NBL, I do believe. And obviously, it is a big adjustment coming from some other leagues because the NBL is a bit of a different league. It's not like it's a real fast league and it's not like it's a real slow league. It's a pretty medium-paced league in which, you know, at the end of the day, is sometimes hard to adjust. And obviously, if you come from playing in Europe, it's a similar thing as well. Sometimes the European leagues are very slow and sometimes they're just really fast. There's no real median balance in the middle of the European leagues. But once Jalen Adams really settled in, he became one of the best players in the league and obviously become one of the most impressive point guards that we've seen in recent years. Putting up 20 points is no easy feat in the NBL and 
you know, obviously when you look around the other leagues and you see 20 points a game, you might go, that doesn't seem that impressive. But when you play four 10-minute quarters and you're putting up 20 points, that is super impressive to go with stats like five rebounds and six assists as well. He always led the Sydney Kings as well to the NBL finals, like we did mention before when we were talking about the coaches of the year. But Jalen Adams was a very, very great player last year. And it's obviously going to be a bit sad not seeing him in NBL 23. But that is just how it goes. You know, great players obviously find great basketball teams and they go and travel and make as much money as they possibly can whilst they're young. And his dream will obviously eventually be making it to the NBA. And who knows? I think he's definitely got all the skills. He's definitely got the class and he's definitely got the swagger to make the NBA one day. So let's get into talking about who won the MVP award. So coming in at third on the MVP award was Joe Lawalichul, the big man from the Melbourne United Basketball Club. Obviously, like I mentioned, incredible season. In second was Bryce Cotton. Now, obviously, like I mentioned before, Bryce, super, super impressive. But Jalen Adams is the winner and was the winner of the MVP award last year. And like I mentioned before, he was the best player of last season as the award does say, but he was nothing short of spectacular from the outset and throughout. Once he got it going, you just couldn't stop this man and wasn't a major reason why the Sydney Kings made the grand final. So that obviously leads us into the NBL champion. And as we've already talked about, we know the two teams who made the grand final through what I've sort of already given away at the moment. It was the Sydney Kings and the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Now, the Sydney Kings were the eventual NBL champions winning their first title since 2005. And what an impressive final series it was. Now, we go back and we talk about the Illawarra Hawks and the Sydney Kings in the semi-final. That was nothing short of spectacular. A major, major rivalry that has been brewing in the NBL for the last couple of years. The Battle of the Bridges, the Battle of the Two Sydney Teams. It was an impressive semi-final series. And obviously, like I mentioned before, the Sydney Kings obviously did move on and win the NBL Championship. We go to the other side of the bracket as well. And the Melbourne United basketball team took on the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers in what was nothing short again of another spectacular series as well. And the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers getting the chocolates. But when we talk about the NBL finals, it was just a matchup and just a little bit one-sided in terms of how great the Sydney Kings were. And obviously Jalen Adams didn't get to play in the NBL finals. And it was super, super disappointing for NBL fans because we love seeing the MVP of the league tear it up and potentially win the MVP and the finals MVP. But unfortunately for Sydney Kings fans, and I think NBL fans as well, we didn't get to see him. But at the end of the day, it was unlucky for Sydney Kings fans they didn't get to see Jalen Adams in the finals, but they also got to see their team win a title in the first one since 2005. Now, speaking of MVPs, Xavier Cooks of the Sydney Kings was named the finals MVP, and he was nothing short of spectacular. Again, another guy, another young Aussie guy, really, really putting his name on the map and was nothing short of spectacular from the outset of the finals. He's the captain of the team and he bleeds everything in which the Sydney Kings believe in. And he honestly was the best player on the court by a mile. And I think if you guys watch that series, you would 100% agree with me in saying this was his Kodak moment. As a lot of the NBA media do say very often when a player does arrive on the big stage. But Xavier Cooks had an incredible final series as well. On the way to the Sydney Kings, sweeping the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers in a 3-0 series. But like I mentioned before, NBL has just taken leaps and bounds in how impressive it's been. I think the quality of basketball as well, and obviously, and how much engagement they're getting out of the fans year in, year out. But that wraps up all the award winners from last year as well. I just wanted to give a brief little recap as well and just talk about every award winner, every finalist, and obviously talk about the eventual NBL champion.
Now, we're going to get into my brand new series and my brand new segment called The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. Now, this is going to be a segment that I talk about week in, week out when I do my little weekly roundly reviews. And I'm really looking forward to this because it's a nice little way to sort of talk about basketball. And it's nothing about being super negative or, you know, bringing negativity to the sport at all. It's just about poking a little bit of fun and also talking the truth because... I think nowadays a lot of people, they don't like hearing the truth in sports media and they don't like this and they don't like that. And some people do think that the media and all that sort of stuff do dig into players and have cracks at players. This is nothing about that at all. The good, the bad, the ugly is a little bit of fun that we will be doing each week, like I mentioned at the end of each round. But let's get into today's segment and talk about the good, the bad, the ugly from NBL 22. Now we're going to start with the good. And I think the good we've just got to start with because... Don't we all love a bit of good in our life? And the feel-good story of NBL 22 was the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. In their first year of the league, the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers quickly rose to the top and were fan favorites in a state in Tasmania, which has been crying out for some professional sports representation for a long time. Obviously, the AFL football, if you follow that, you know, there's been talk of Tasmania getting their own team for a long, long time now. And obviously, unfortunately, still haven't got a team, but... Hey, they got their team this year in the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers and they hooked on quickly and they really, really did. They were a lot of passionate fans down there in Tasmania. And I'm super, super excited for them as well in the future years because like we saw very recently, the Tasmanian Jack Jumper faithful fans sold out the membership for 23, for NBL 23, I should say, in 26 minutes. That is a major, major feat for the NBL and for professional sports in Tasmania. Now, obviously, like I said before, we're going to touch on guys like Scott Roth and Jacob Chance, who instantly set this team up for success, not only for last year, but for years to come. And I think building a foundation in a professional organization and in a professional setting is one of the hardest things to do because you're trying to put aside everyone's egos and you're trying to become an overall great team environment. And sometimes that does become hard when a lot of people have very alpha sort of personalities. And I think Scott Roth and Jacob Chance have incorporated the Perth Wildcats way of no one is better than another person. And it doesn't matter if you're the best player on the team or if you're the worst player on the team, there is no divide in the amount of say or the amount of impact that you have on the court or off the court at any time. Now, when we talk about teams as well, it comes from a strong foundation and the beliefs amongst the players, and it also stems into the organization as well. And the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers, you could see on the court, they had an amazing connection between not only the each player and to each player and coach, but from each player and coach and to the organization heads as well. And when you've got guys, not only like Scott Roth and Jacob Chance, but Mika Vakona, who is an outstanding and one of the legends of the NBL, He's in there as well at the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. There is such a strong core and such a strong belief within this organization, which, like I mentioned earlier, is not just going to stem from last year. It's going to stem from years to come. And this team has been set up for success from day dot, which is also very hard to do in some organizations. But they are going to be rounding out the good of my segment, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I think they were very worthy winners. There are obviously a couple other stories as well we could be talking about, but I think I had to start off with the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Now the bad, there's obviously a few situations, I think, and a few teams that we can narrow down to being the number one bad situation in the NBL last year, but I just don't think you can look past the Perth Wildcats, in my opinion. Now, coming into the season, I think a lot of people believe that they would have been the favorites to nearly win the NBL championship last season, signing the likes of Vic Law and Michael Fraser II, 
keeping a hold of Mitch Norton, who nearly signed for the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers last year, and obviously bringing back young gun Luke Travis, who was looking, I think, after the final series the year before, to take the next step and become a permanent starter for this team. But like the title of this segment explains, there was a lot of bad. Now, obviously, the new coach, Scott Morrison, never really understood the way to coach the NBL, in my opinion, and made some questionable substitution patterns in critical moments of games. Now, his comments coming into the end of the year didn't really rub well with many people in the media in Perth or any of the Red Army faithful as well. Now, in my opinion, I think he was handed the keys to the easiest and most smooth-running franchise in NBL history and somehow found a way to mess it up. Now, 35 years in a row, the Wildcats made the finals and that streak came to an end last year under the realm of Scott Morrison. Now, obviously, it's come out in recent months that Scott Morrison's son had been diagnosed with a disability and it was obviously making it very hard on the family. I completely understand that as well. And that's why I don't really want to continually blow on Scott Morrison. I wasn't a fan from the start as well, in all seriousness, with Scott Morrison. But at the end of the day, when slang is going on with your family, I know it is obviously very hard. And I know a lot of people say, hey, that's off the court. Like when you're on the court, you got to be focusing on what's on the court. But I think we all know if something is affecting our families or something is affecting our health, it's very hard to stay completely motivated and committed at all times, even if you're at work. So for that to Scott Morrison, we obviously, I think, have to apologize as media in Perth and Perth Wildcats fans. But at the end of the day, he was handed the keys, like I mentioned before, to maybe nearly the easiest and smoothest running franchise in NBL history and nearly even sports history. And he somehow blew it and they missed the finals for the first time in 35 years. But that would be the bad of the good, the bad and the ugly. Now, the ugly. Now, what do we really think of when we think about ugly? We think about something we can't stand to look at for too long, something that's pretty shocking, and something that's pretty close to a train wreck. Now, what do we think of in NBL 22 after I say that? Yes, if you said the Cairns Taipans, you are completely right. Finishing with a record of 9-19, and 19, the Taipans were the worst team besides the Breakers who weren't even allowed to go home at any point in the season. That's why we've been a little bit more easy on the New Zealand Breakers because obviously that is a very hard thing to do. Not even be able to go home and see your families and not even be able to go home and play in front of your fans, your family and everything like that as well. That is obviously an incredibly hard environment to be in front of. But the Cairns Taipans, they didn't have that problem at all. Had guys like Scott Machado, they had Tahiri McColl, they had Stephen Zinnerman, Boyle Cole, Kawat Noy. You talk about those five players there mixed with guys like Mirko Jeric, Nate Durai. You know, that team is a lot better than where they finished on paper. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, that is why they were the ugly of the NBL 22. Now, obviously, injuries were a little factor throughout the years, but that is a part of sport. And I think every team last year in NBL were faced with injuries from the outset and throughout. And looking back to NBL 22, I just don't see where the Cairns Taipans improve anywhere because Adam Ford, I don't know if it's something to do with his game plan or whatever it is, but it just didn't seem to really suit this Cairns Taipans team and the way it was built last year. And now obviously it's a fresh year this year. Who knows what the case can be, but in all seriousness, I think last year was an ugly season to say the least. And I'm very keen to see and I'm very eager to see what this team can do in NBL 23. But for last year in NBL 22, they deserve the ugly title of the good, the bad, the ugly. So that wraps up the good, the bad, the ugly. And I hope you guys did enjoy that little segment. I'd love to hear what you guys think. And I'd obviously love to hear what you guys do believe will be the good, the bad, the ugly of NBL 23. Because that will be next week's episode where we touch on some predictions. We also go through a little bit of the teams as well. See some of the big new free agent signings in the league. And we will be touching on maybe what we think will be the good, the bad, the ugly, and the storylines of NBL 23. 
But that will wrap up today's episode and the first episode back of season two of Basketball Fix. Like I mentioned before, I'm super, super excited to be back. I've got a lot of great content coming up. We're trying to sort some big names as well to come on the podcast and have a few big interviews before the season starts or just at the start of the season as well because, you know, I think that's a major, major part of why I wanted this podcast. It's not just talking about the NBL and and keeping you guys up to date with everything happening in the NBL. It's about getting to know the players, the media, the coaches, and everyone behind the NBL as well because this is an incredible league with some incredible people at the helm and obviously incredible players who have some great stories as well. People have gone to college. People have made it through the rough part of, you know, obviously playing through the wobbles or state leagues and, and working their way up to become NBL players. And once they get their opportunity, are taking the opportunity as well. And I think if you've followed Basketball Fix in the past, you guys will know there's been some great players who we've had on already. And I can't wait to get some more great players on the podcast as well. But like I mentioned, that will wrap up today's podcast. I'm very, very thankful for everyone who's listened to today. I would love if you guys could rate, review the podcast on wherever you guys are listening from. And until next time, you stay classy, NBL fans.